0: Hey girl, welcome to the What A Mouthful podcast. I'm your host, Dee. I'm a qualified nutritionist, personal trainer, mindset speaker, and my favorite of all, I'm a mum. Living your best life doesn't have to be a grind, and I'm going to show you how to achieve a healthy mind and body. And if this episode speaks to you, give a sister a five-star review. Welcome back to What A Mouthful. I have a cracker of an episode, so much so that on my drive here, I just could not stop the, the thoughts swirling in my head. And my lovely guest today is Jess Barber. She is also a nutritionist, but she's actually my producer for the podcast
1: too. So welcome, Jess. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. How's the random combination of what I do? But, but I love it. And you know, I know that you understand
0: me too, mm-hmm. so that's what's cool about it. You know, I know I don't have to stress if I, like, talk about random things because I'm like, just gets what I'm saying. <laughs> it's very important. So today we're actually going to talk about body acceptance, and this is the one mistake you're making, and I think it's very fortunate that we fundamentally believe that you're making fundamentally that same mistake because you can have people in the healthcare industry that think very differently about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um I want us to first and foremost define what we think body acceptance is because there are a couple of terms that we were sort of throwing around for the name of the episode because we're going to touch on a lot of things. Mm. You know, there's self-love, there's body positivity, there's body image, body acceptance. Mm-hmm. So we kind of landed on body acceptance. Do you want to kind of share why we, we sort of
1: went with that term? Yeah, well, it's it's like I have, I'm the same. I have a million things running through my head, but it's... I I feel like quite a neutral term Mm. and it's quite broad and it kind of encapsulates everything we want to talk about. Um, Yeah. 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 And I think we were sort of talking a little bit about the fact that we're both
0: nutritionists Mm. and ironically, the one thing that we found ourselves talking to our clients most about Mm -hmm. when we were in one-on-one consults was this kind of concept of accepting and loving your body where it's at on its journey Mm -hmm. and really more so than that your relationship to yourself and how Mm -hmm. that manifests in food because obviously it can manifest in many ways it can manifest in obsession with the gym Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be but what we're sort of specifically talking about is our experience with it being you know you have a client come and sit in front of you as a nutritionist and they talk about their troubles with food and food choices but we kind of know it's actually not the food that's the problem.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, this conversation all came about with with us having a conversation around, I guess, something that was literally probably 99% of my clients all, you know, there would always be a conversation around their complicated relationship with food. And, of course, like we know that's on a spectrum. And I would see clients who, you know, potentially are just kind of Dipping their toes into the you know diet world of dieting and heavily restricting their food, and then also of course I worked with clients with, you know, that had eating disorders, and um, we would, I would have these conversations with the whole spectrum, mm. and what the conversation usually looked like was, yes, okay, talking through their complications with and their challenging relationship with food, but kind of getting them to become aware that okay why do you have this relationship with food and what's that underlying cause because to treat or to overcome that challenging relationship it actually yes to a degree we talk about food and there's strategies that we implement around you know meal times and types of foods and snacks and things like that Mm. but really the root cause lies a lot deeper than that yeah and I think that's what we're going to dive into a lot today but It it really lies in uh body image and people's challenging relationship they have with their bodies. And then it also goes even deeper than that as well. And it's like, okay, well, why do you have this challenging relationship with your body? Yeah. And often, you know, it goes to because perhaps it doesn't fit the certain ideal that is currently, you know, I idolized in society. And then, okay, it goes deeper than that and it's like well, why do you want to fit this ideal? I guess everyone's story is a little bit different, but usually it's because, well, they want to feel accepted and they want to feel love. And, you know, why do you want to feel those things? Because you want to feel happy. And then the most ironic thing is that you then backtrack all the way back to, okay, why are you restricting your food? And you're kind of left feeling you're not really I know what you're saying like if you backtrack all the way
0: to your actual the specific thing that's going on for you you're in the pursuit of happiness
1: but that's causing you misery exactly that's what that's what I was getting to it's like these actions we know what they do to your health firstly Mm. like you know your external appearance to start with like your hair your skin your nails Mm -hmm. all of that we know the detrimental effects it has there but also we know how much our mood suffers Mm. and when we're talking about eating disorders as well we know how much how common it is that when people with eating disorders that um it's strongly associated with depression as well yeah so yeah it's 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 quite
0: that's right it's not and it's not just eating disorders as well I really want to make that point before you know people sort of flick to the next episode because they're like I don't have an eating disorder Mm. this is for people who have disordered eating or just a challenging relationship with food yes like I would like to say if Anyone that has a challenging relationship with food, no matter what that looks like, if food for you in some way is a trigger, an emotional trigger, Mm. and either the thought of eating something in front of someone or the thought of what you're eating or what someone's going to think of what you're eating, if anything like that, or eating too much or eating too little or wanting to get rid of what you just ate or feeling intense guilt or shame around what you just ate Mm. um, or what you didn't eat, like these are all under the umbrella I would say of you know a challenging relationship with food
1: I agree yeah it's definitely a spectrum and I mean in this day and age I it would be challenging to meet someone especially a woman who hasn't had a challenging relationship with food for sure and I don't say that to be negative but more to bring awareness to it because it is very common yeah and I think it's
0: so common and it's The sort of thing that happens at some stages given the environment that you're in Mm. and where you're mentally at and what your goals are and if if it's a woman listening she'll she'll get it she Mm. understands it's a very very rare genetic unicorn that doesn't understand (laughs) this situation that we're talking about and it's not her fault you know if she just has you know fantastic uh, a fantastic environment fantastic mindset uh, great genes that are, that are conducive to you know uh, the society's ideal of what we accept is beautiful. Great, mm-hmm. good for her. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not judging her either, mm-hmm. but it would be a very rare find mm. because I know even I've had um, you know I believe I have a very healthy relationship mm-hmm. with food, but even I've had in the past you know challenging relationship with food yeah, at certain times. I think I was just quick to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Can you give a specific example of what you would experience in clinic? Like one specific example of like a client that you can remember something that she or he or mm-hmm. probably she yeah she yeah it was she mostly girls, mostly girls yeah. Yeah. that she was convinced that this was a food problem mm. but you kind of you knew better like you knew okay i see that you see this as a food problem mm-hmm. but this is much much deeper than you than you realize and i want to take you on that journey mm. can you
1: think of one i can and it was a pro it, it was definitely a process so this particular client she um had been diagnosed by her GP with orthorexia so mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. obsession with healthy eating yeah and just had zero awareness around like when she first came to me the conversations were all around food yeah and like I could tell she was motivated to make change but she was only interested in the food side of things mm-hmm. and like what the meals look like and what the snacks look like and yes of course we paid attention to that and of course like we have a responsibility and duty of care to ensure that they are healthy mm-hmm. and like in especially ensure their weight stable and mm-hmm. all of those things. So that is obviously first priority, but and I that's from a disease
0: perspective, which we'll talk about
1: in yes. this episode as well. That's from a purely
0: disease perspective yep. with a health practitioner lens on mm-hmm. continue yes <laughs> I know that you and I know that you know these things but I just thought like from Alyssa's point of view yeah just to like make that really clear.
1: yeah and I guess maybe it, and now is a good time to point out that the, the degree I studied with nutrition and dietetics and so there was a heavy clinical element and are many dietitians work in hospitals and are amazing and are very much needed but uh, when it comes to eating disorders the Healthcare focus is very food-centric, I would say, first. Mm. And then it's the thought about psychologists or the mental, emotional well-being. It's my personal opinion from what I've experienced that mental, emotional angle and perhaps going down the route of psychology is should definitely be at the forefront. Mm. Basically, what you're saying is you believe and your experience with
0: dietetics is um, obviously like personally having that experience with dietetics is like you can go into a hospital uh setting with a dietitian, and they're looking solely mostly at your food look mostly mm-hmm. we can't like we can't generalize no but mostly but i do feel like the culture in you know either nutrition and naturopathy mm-hmm. is like you need to look at them them in their lifestyle environment oh, you cool. can't you know just look at the person and expect that person to make Oh, all of a sudden, because you told them to, they're going to make all these different decisions. Like, yes, that's part of it. There's also the part of the why. But there's Mm -hmm. also like, but what about them in their environment, given their unique circumstances that you have to take into account? Which I don't, and I can't say because I'm not a dietitian, but Mm -hmm. I don't see that message being so strongly uh, given from dietitians as I see nutritionists, naturopaths. And neither is right, mm-hmm. but I think you and I, because we both had that experience of seeing how much that can influence and mm-hmm. improve somebody's health more so than the food advice that we even give, mm-hmm.
1: even as nutritionists, yeah.
0: like that's why I think we both feel that way around this topic specifically, both as nutritionists.
1: Yeah. And both, we also work in very different contexts and both dietitians and nutritionists have, they serve the community in, in great ways. Yeah. Um, so back to my client. So, it did take a few conversations and kind of explanation around what we just kind of unraveled there, getting to the root cause and kind of just having some discussions around that. And really like she really led the way I kind of just gave her that kind of advice or I gave her that knowledge of what is the most common root cause behind what she is experiencing. Mm -hmm. And then she kind she did the rest of the work really. And I was just there to facilitate um but, yeah, and and then it moved from, okay, she's aware of this now, and then it's like, okay, what she what can she do? Mm. Um, and how can she change? Firstly, her thoughts, which is really hard to do, mm. as you know, and thought and behavior change in our line of work is a huge part of yep. what we do. yeah. Um, yeah, then we then we kind of dove into that work. yeah. Do you think
0: that it's funny because you know, when I was younger, I used to sort of, for a little while, uh, probably like, you know, around 18, 19, I used to hang out with like a few models. Yeah. Uh, That was just like the sort of circles I was in as I started to like kind of go clubbing and stuff like that. And I would find the most common challenging relationships with food in terms of like what label they were given was um, bulimia and anorexia. Mm. And it's really interesting that probably over the last like decade, wait, how old am I? Yeah. Last decade. (laughs) It's more, it's more, I I hear more about, and it could just probably be my personal little bubble of what I specifically hear about, but I hear more about orthorexia. Mm. And so it's so interesting because, you might look at that and go one of them is an obsession to be thin one well bulimia i guess in some ways is also sort of an obsession to be thin yeah Um, i'm not i'm not um just generalizing i'm just just for the sake of this podcast just trying to make that a little bit more um a little bit more basic and and generalized but i do understand and i just want to say i'm i know it must be very very difficult to have an eating disorder so i don't want you to feel as i'm just like oh yeah that one's this and then that one's that like I see you I hear yeah, you yeah. you know I know it's tough um, and I and I do hope that even just this conversation might be something that may be helpful in some small way mm-hmm. um, but then with orthorexia you know that obsession to eat clean I guess still has its roots in wanting to be thin but at the at the root of it all like it's it's all you know it's all varying degrees of kind of the same thing yeah you know it, it is just that relationship with food. And orthorexia, obviously, like that clean eating, it's like people are, are idealized mm. by how whole and perfect their food is. Yeah. And there is, like we said, there's a continuum with everything. Mm-hmm. It is beneficial according to research uh, and our own you know, experiences yeah. and thousands and millions probably of other health practitioners in their experience with their clients. But both research and clinical experience has shown us that people who tend to eat more whole foods tend to have better mental and physical health, Mm -hmm. right? So there's no kind of denying that, that Mm. that's that's a real thing. Yeah. However, you can take anything to extremes. Yes, and even that. Even that. <laughs> yeah. And and the I guess the thing we're trying to unpack today is like, why do people take things to mm. extremes? What is it? Mm. Um, I'm going to, I'll sort of kickstart what I think that is, because like we're saying, when people come to us with a food problem, mm. oftentimes we know it's not a food problem. Yes. It's uh, the you know, it's that really underlying challenging relationship but it's built on something else and it's often built on some kind of trauma or trigger Mm. that that person has internalized and interpreted from their physical environment Mm -hmm. and also that in conjunction with the circumstances that they've been in in terms of like, you know, we just say society because it's just easier to say society. What society thinks is that's just probably like the major opinion that we hear about read about talk about yeah um so it's kind of both of those things so Mm -hmm. it's the environment that that person is in and then in the past it's those past experiences that have created a a a strong emotional uh moment that they've then interpreted as i'm only loved when i'm skinny i'm only Mm. loved when someone says oh you've lost weight i'm only loved when my hair is perfect and my skin is glowing you know like those things that are still associated with health Mm -hmm. you know and I think it's really you know to me I always go back to like parenting and childhood Mm. and like it's like funny because I actually see myself as like you know if I continued to do psychology as a clinical psychiatrist Mm. or clinical psychologist I would have been like And how do you feel about that? And where does that come from, from your childhood? Like, because I I see and I understand it, it's all about in the past Mm. and what past experiences Mm -hmm. have built you to think the way that you do now.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So once somebody is in that position of, you know, either they they're worried that someone's going to judge them, they judge themselves, whatever it might be, and they've got this this goal to be as loved as possible by people external to themselves, what is the first thing that you would tell them to do as a practical
1: tool? Great question. Also, that was just like yes to all of that. <laughs> Especially like the combination of environment and mm-hmm. then past. Mm. And when, yeah, yes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So I guess one of the first things, and I know it's a cliche, but awareness, like if if you're not aware of everything that Deja said, that is that's what needs to happen first Mm. Um, and having an understanding of that and having the knowledge. So, yeah, awareness first and then reflecting as well. Like I'm a huge fan of meditation and I think it can really help especially you know i i like to do 20 to 30 minutes i find you know it takes like 10 minutes to kind of settle down and yeah just chill <laughs> so <laughs> yeah if you can carving out that time because at the end of the day i can't talk like previously in the past i was like i don't have time for that but really when you think like your mind is just everything yeah and the fact that we can't sit down for 20 to 30 minutes to for our mind is fucked <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely
0: like what do, like the this is okay the other night i was lying in my bed and i just didn't feel like doing a meditation because i actually didn't want to bring my phone into my room right and i was like how can i do like a mindfulness practice mm-hmm. and just get that same feeling mm-hmm. and all i did was i lay in bed and i felt my heartbeat mm. That is all I did. And I swear to God, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude. I was like, mm. my little heart, she just goes. Pumping away. She, pumping <laughs> away. She doesn't get any recognition <laughs> for it. She just does it without – nobody has to ask her to do it and she keeps me going. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like – I do. And, and I think that that is part of body acceptance, mm. you know. I think that – because because reflection and – being able to unpack your mind mm. is one thing, but it also, I think, needs to marry with gratitude. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it doesn't have to necessarily be, I love my body so much. I love every curve, every pore, every mm. cellulite bump. It, it doesn't have to be that because yeah. those are also tied potentially with poorer health as well mm-hmm. it's really hard it that feels conflicting to mm-hmm. me you know mm. so it's not like you have to necessarily and you can if you want to of course you can love your psoriasis you can love your mm. acne you can love every mm. part like your body is talking to you always and you're always just working with your body so mm. it's beautiful but i also understand that those other things are also associated with things not working properly mm. so mm-hmm. from a health lens that's really hard to go i love my I mean a stretch marks is not even a good example that's that's a beautiful example that just like that just happens but yeah. like even like my acne or mm. my you know my cellulite yeah my bloating like people don't love
1: their bloating right yeah. but you know so yeah to play devil's advocate I feel please, like please I love this shit <laughs> I feel yes I I definitely agree when it comes to acne mm. and bloating they're mm. definitely signs that things aren't going well but even like for example I feel like many healthy even like super lean people mm. can have yep cellulite yep. and so i think that in terms of yeah body acceptance i think that there's so much nuance right but mm. i think in terms of that mm. specific example that is something that people a lot of people do have to accept because yep. like a lot of people will just have cellulite yep. and well
0: i'll devil's so- advocate you back yeah. while you think okay. about that everything is a continuum right mm-hmm. and so it's interesting that even in this conversation with you and i we we think so so similarly at our core It's also interesting to go, well, you can accept some things but other things you can't accept. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, Mm. but it is interesting because it's a continuum, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, acne is a sign that something's going wrong. But see, from my perspective, I also think I am also someone who has cellulite. I am also someone who, you know, I'll still wear a bikini. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not going to go, oh, no, that person is looking at my cellulite. Mm. What she must think of me. Like, I'm not going around thinking that. And even if I think that... For a second mm-hmm. I will talk myself out of that. Yes. Because yep. you know we the, still think I think that's a really important point. Like it's like our humanness, mm-hmm. our, our instinct is to want to be liked and accepted. That's mm-hmm. that's critical for our survival. But at the same time we also have to kind of like learn to talk ourselves out of it. But what I was going to say about cellulite is like that is also a sign that your lymphatic drainage is not
1: mm-hmm. is not
0: necessarily working as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But again it's like the I feel like all I wanted to do with this episode is for us to just toss up all of these ideas mm-hmm. and just go, where Where does this land for mm. you? You know, how do you mm. feel about that? If there is any part of this that triggers you, I am so glad it has because there is an opportunity for you in that moment. And maybe I've spoken too late. Maybe you've already turned this episode off. But, but, but there's an opportunity in that moment for you to go, I feel uncomfortable with that. Why? Mm. Why? Mm. Yeah. And, and now you do a lot of like Joe Dispenza work.
1: Love Joe Dispenza. Love Joe. Like, do you feel like that feeds into this as well? Definitely. And I, I think to go back to like, okay, so what do we do? Mm, what, oh, yes, what do we so do? some strategies. Yeah. No, but <laughs> s- still great. Um, so it is the meditation. But even like I was saying to you before, if you can't carve out that time, go on a day trip somewhere, change your environment and go somewhere that you enjoy, that you're excited to go to. Take yourself out for brekkie. Take your journal. Have a think of the thoughts that you have that make you feel shit Mm. and that you don't like. They might make you feel anxious. They might make you feel really low in mood, whatever it is, write them down, write down the behaviors that don't serve you, that also make you feel shit, write them down and then write down, have a good look. Maybe write down as well the feelings that and the emotions that come up when you have these thoughts or do these behaviors. So you really attach them to like, this is a shit time. Why am I doing this? And then you need to you need to visualize your future and what is going to replace those thoughts and those behaviors. And you're not going to nail it every time, like Dee just said. And you know I have cellulite. I I wear my bikini and I go to the beach and I'm like you know this is really random but the other day I was at the beach and like I was walking down to the water and I was I just kind of had my hands on my bum and like I could feel just not for any reason I don't know they're just there and um I could feel my cellulite as I was walking and the the immediate thought is like that's wrong I shouldn't have that yeah I'm that's not good enough Jess Mm. like and then but then the next thought is like no that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. And also I think, well, yeah, it's my thought process is that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. And also, you know what the alternative is, Mm -hmm. like what you're going to severely restrict yourself and have a negative relationship with food. And then that also leads you to being miserable anyway. And then, so you're kind of in the same place but because I I also know when I'm, when my mind and heart is in a line and you're really looking after yourself, you're like, you have your back. And that is, that's kind of how I explain like mind and heart coherence. You glow and like, you're a lot happier and a lot of great shit comes your way, I have to say. And so that's like my thought process in that moment. It's like, well, what's the alternative? That's being miserable or like overcoming this, you know, shit voice that has come into my head and moving on and being a vibe. (laughs) I love it. I have, oh my God, I have so many thoughts on what you just said. It's like
0: when you experience the negative thought, It's often I find, but this is me, like I reckon I was like an evolutionary psychologist in a past life. I always link it back to uh, survival. Mm. It's the same reason why we find people attractive and people who look healthy, we find attractive. Mm. It's it's all about survival, reproduction. Mm. It's our very like primitive part of us. Mm -hmm. So you can't fight your humanness. You are human. So the fact that you would like to look more attractive to attract a partner, it is okay to feel that way. Yeah there are also then varying degrees. If the the pursuit to have that certain thing, let's just say it's weight loss to lose weight, just as an example. If the pursuit of that, if you actually do a realistic pros and cons list Mm. and the cons outweigh the pros, Mm -hmm. then stay the same. Mm. Stay the fuck the same. Mm. No one should tell you that your mental health you know, should be sacrificed in order for you to look a certain way. Like, you know, so it's like, again, it's like this idea of continuums. It's, it's. I think it's on a personal level, if people have all of the information, because awareness is one massive thing, education is, you know, a massive part of it. Mm -hmm. If you have all the awareness and the information to make, you know, uh, informed decisions about your health, then if you decide that you don't need to be shredded and have a six pack because – that would mean you would spend less time with your child and you would spend less time working on your side hustle mm-hmm. and, all, and spend less time with your partner because mm-hmm. you're always at the gym, then why on earth would you mm. want to pursue that goal, mm. you know, just to be loved by society? And I was talking to my sister on the phone uh, on the way here and I was sort of just like talking through this episode and I was like, what do you think about this? And she was sort of saying to me, Dee, you've got to think about this. If you were the only person in the world would you care what you looked like? And the answer is no, No, we wouldn't. Because the only reason we want to look a certain way in this context of this situation is often because we want other people to think we look good. Mm. But then where does that stem from? You know, does that stem from um, the society's ideal of like, what's hot, what's sexy, what's attractive? Mm. But it's also in part you know, a primitive response mm-hmm. of evolution. This person looks healthy, so therefore, you know, if they if they if they look healthy, then they probably are you know uh, a healthy body weight, which is debatable in the first place. But let's just say, for argument's sake, you know, I don't know. Oh, I'm even struggling to say this because I don't want people to come at me. But at the same time, this is what I believe society thinks is like a size ten ish on average maybe a size 8 10 12 uh, you know in australia so i don't know you got to convert that to your you know whatever um and even within that you can have so many different shapes yeah you know there's so much right but let's just say let's just say that that's generally what society thinks like if the pursuit to get to that is so much more negative in terms of a holistic perspective on your life Mm -hmm. then no one should tell you that that's the right way to be however let's say you are overweight and you have a disease or you're underweight and you have a disease. Mm. And one of the tools you could use is to try to either lose weight or put on weight not only for the single idea about the weight itself but also about all of the things that come with that, mm. You know, like the practices that you, that you have to have in order to be healthy enough to lose weight or gain weight because I believe that a side effect of being more healthy is mm. – is the ability to maintain a healthy weight for you. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that could be going from overweight to a healthy weight yeah. or going from underweight to a healthy weight. And there's yeah. always extremes for anything. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if if, if you were just by yourself on an island, mm. first of all, probably no one would piss you off enough that, you know, you would have dysregulated stress hormones that would change <laughs> your food behaviors. Yeah. You'd, you'd, probably, you'd probably eat in, you know – what we consider like a balanced way and you wouldn't yeah. really care what your body looks like however i would also argue that your body would look n- not ideal not not like i think our society standards of what we think is ideal is too extreme yes. like for people to be like a size six or eight all the time i don't think that that's realistic yeah but also it, then again it depends on what about your genetics what if you you and your family
1: are just your your string beans and you're all lanky i think the the key thing in this whole conversation is what is natural and right for you like where do you land where does your weight land what does your body look like when you're holistically healthy oh thank you Jess thank you right yep and I would say on the you know if we're talking sizes which I don't like to do but just to make the point of the ideal it is like six to eight and I'm sorry but like that's not the majority of the population and also when people like we're saying at their natural healthy weight are not going to be a six to eight yeah and that's where I have an issue yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I agree I agree um I
0: I want to talk about there are people and look I don't mean to sound ignorant um but there are a lot of communities that I know that there's a lot of communities out there and I'm like, yes, you know, there's like the I community and then there's like Healthy at Every Size Mm. and there's a lot of communities out there that are like, you know, hey, I'm going to love my body no matter what it looks like. I think like massive, massive ticks on the mindset that is required for you to love your body at any stage of the journey because no matter what your journey is, like we believe in health so yep. whatever your health journey is, whatever you look like at any stage, that's exactly how you need to look at that point. Yep. That's exactly. And, and it's always a balancing act. Mm. It's never going to be. You don't get that mm. balance and that oh, my God, this is the perfect balance and I'm going to maintain this for 30 years. No, mm. that doesn't happen or the rest of your life. Mm. Life it happens and it's never you know it's always about trying to maintain that balance or get Mm. that balance back Mm. and you might know and be aware that you're a little bit out of balance for a period of time Mm -hmm. but that's okay because as long as you know how to get that balance back for you Mm. because you know your body and you know what works for you Mm. which takes some trial and error and sometimes a coach or a mentor Mm. or you know an expert or whatever it is um then that's the thing that matters Mm -hmm. there is also something really interesting that I just I'm just dying to talk about hit me (laughs) because I believe the root cause of this is imposter syndrome now there are lots of people that are representatives for a fuller figure and a larger body yep and I love that what happens for those people do you think and I was talking to my sister about this in the car as well and she sort of shared some um you know some of her experiences with this like what do you think happens and I ask this in a totally non-judgmental way what do you think happens when they start to just lose weight just by proxy of things change environments change sometimes they might fix a deficiency or sometimes mm. they, they might be able to finally address their insulin resistance or sometimes their gut gets more healthy this is a really interesting conversation because what happens to them Mm -hmm. then if they start to lose weight, does that diminish their, does that change who they are as a role model to people? You know, like, is it okay also for people to love themselves, but also okay for them to lose weight if that happens for their body? Yes. Yeah.
1: Firstly, and bring me back to that. Like I'm not, I'm not tangenting off, but I just want to say yes to your point about acceptance at at every stage because to me when I hear that I'm like okay that person is doing the mental and emotional work we assume that right we assume yeah yeah assume and and that's we're all about in terms of Mm. holistic so whether you're I just yeah I just really like that point around yes you can be trying to be your healthiest self and if you really are then you'll be doing the mental and emotional work which means that as a result you're probably going to be like you know what I accept my body right now I do have a goal to lose weight because I actually really care about myself and that might be healthier for them at this time Mm. you know if we're talking about someone who's overweight yeah and yeah so I just wanted to say that That, that's what we're assuming agree with that
0: yeah because yeah so so that's a really good point because okay what what Jess and I think Mm. is a healthy way to or is is a health a true health journey Mm. a true health journey versus what I read magazines as a health journey because it's not this superfood, although I still believe in superfoods, but whatever. Actually, there are a lot of foods that (laughs) I even consider are regular foods that I think are superfoods because they're just like, they're such good, solid foods. Anyway. Broccoli. Yes. Liver.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, Oh my God, I lost my train of thought. Um, Like what I think a large percentage of the population and I think a lot of more people are changing their minds about this but what a large percentage of the population still believe is the the Mecca of health is they train five or six times a week and they smash themselves and then their every single meal they eat is you know is a clean meal and it's perfectly instagrammable like but that's not what we're talking about no. we are t- we are talking t- like almost almost the opposite Mm. Like in ways in ways, yeah, um, because what we're talking about is Truly being uncomfortable in times of self-reflection mm-hmm. Really challenging and questioning yourself without judgment, mm-hmm. which is like That's you don't hear about that when people are like oh, I'm gonna um, you know put this in a magazine like and I shouldn't like I shouldn't poo-poo on magazines. It's not just magazines, but like even on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. But I just say magazines because maybe that was just like me when I grew up. I don't know Um, you know, like, like that is very different Mm. and it's so funny because it's like, you know, someone will come to you one-on-one situation, which I don't do anymore, but like, I really miss this part Mm. of, of doing one-on-one clients. I'm sure you do too. It's Mm. like when you have someone come to you and you're like this food problem, that food problem, when do I snack? When do I this? What, you know, and they just want the answers with specifically the food. It's kind of like, Oh honey. (laughs) we need to have a girl talk. Yeah. Not not a like yes you can do these things and these may help from a specifically health point of view yeah. given the information that we know, but there is just the, those other things that are seemingly so unrelated. Mm. Like so unrelated. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about who you crave love from more, your mother or your father. Mm. You know, like what beliefs do they have that makes you crave their attention so for example dad I love you so much but I know that every time you talk to me you always want to know how my business is going how's my business are you making money same yeah Yeah. and that's like a really typical thing you know because like you know men are brought up to think that they're the protectors and the Mm -hmm. providers so they want to know like they associate safety with having money Mm. and so you know you can't blame them yeah that's that's just the way that they're brought up and that could also stem back to our hunter-gatherer you know like so in that like for me personally to improve my relationship with food which seems so unrelated to my dad approving of me when I make lots of money or how I I view that as him approving me not that he loves me any more or any less it was Mm -hmm. my interpretation of that situation Mm -hmm. because I know he loves me regardless even though when I was young I couldn't see it that way Mm. because it was very much tough love. But it's like for me, I know working on my issues and my emotional issues with like safety and trust Mm. and trusting myself and trusting my gut instincts actually, you know, really kind of like plays into my relationship with food and the Mm -hmm. food choices that I Mm -hmm. make. Because at the end of the day, as a human being, it's all about the choices that you make. Mm -hmm. And But the choices that you make – I think the intention behind the choices that you make is really important too yeah, intentions,
1: because, everything. yeah because yeah. it's like
0: do I strive to have an amazing business to make my dad proud do I strive to make money to make my dad proud when I was younger yes mm. but until I did the work to really understand myself mm. now I see money as a form of gratitude mm. you know and it's like again like that base understanding of like everything is gratitude everything is energy now when I make food choices I think everything is gratitude everything is energy so it's like those underlying principles those those things that trigger you the most even if they're not related to food necessarily yeah are still things that we're talking about that need to be addressed Mm -hmm. or that you would benefit from addressing Mm. you know not need to be I don't like tell you, you you know force you to do that but we we really encourage you to do that because Mm -hmm. you'll be amazed at just how much that has a, you know, a spillover effect into the the rest of your life and the other
1: decisions that you make. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we we know that people can turn to food for a control mechanism as well. So that ties into doing that work and yeah, why it's really important because if that is why you're turning to it, then it's most likely that it's more everything that Dee just kind of went through. It's more that, that you're needing to look at rather than increasing your snacks or, So I'm actually going to reframe that question to you, Jess, because I
0: know for me when I used to be a personal trainer, I used to be so disciplined. Look, it was positive for me. It was a positive discipline for me, but I used to be so disciplined because I would walk around and know that if people knew I was a trainer and I was walking around not taking care of myself, not going to the gym, not shaping my body, Mm. not like, you know, not showing I was in control of my body, then people wouldn't want to work with me because they'd go, well, she can't even control her own body, so how can she yep. help me improve mine or yes. the appearance of mine, right? Um, but I think, I do think that, I think fitness and the fitness industry and the wellness industry is moving away, or the fitness industry in, in particular is moving away from just aesthetics. Yeah. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because I think when we look at, the smallest person in the room is not the healthiest and the largest person in the room is not the unhealthiest then we also look at those people who are representations of this kind of new um this new community of body positivity is it also okay for them to lose weight in the same way that it's okay for people to put on weight in the health
1: community Mm. you know what i mean so is it okay for them?
0: I mean, is it okay? I know you're
1: going to say the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, do you have any thoughts around that? I mean, this might not be the direction you're wanting to go and just tell me if it's not. But the first thing that comes to mind is um, Adele. What, yeah. You know, she yeah. lost a, a, a whole bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. And I didn't follow it closely, but I was aware of the commentary around it. And I know that some fans were disappointed. Yes, this is exactly where I want to go. Okay. And I don't think that I'm a bit disappointed in that disappointment because <laughs> she is wanting like, you know, if like, as long as she's not going to the extreme and she's now underweight and not healthy, mm. if she, it, it all depends, like I have no idea what Adele's doing. Mm. Like, yeah, like what obviously. her routine looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if she's improving her health. Then I think that should be celebrated. Yeah. And I think that if they were true fans, they would be happy. Yeah. Uh, does that kind of answer your it question? It does. It does. Because I think
0: what I'm trying to get at is you can't be body positive and praise people who are role models there, mm-hmm. but then discredit them and put them down if they change. No, no, no. You know, So, and I think, I think that, kind of where I'm trying to get with that is that maybe in Australia, you know, we've got that tall poppy syndrome yeah. where we can we put others down to sort of bring ourselves up. Um, I say we or us, but like that's not us. We're not like that. Um, but that is like kind of like maybe toxic Australian mentality. Yeah. Like put others down to, to bring yourself up. But it's like this same mentality, I feel of like putting others down to bring yourself up or even bringing yourself down and putting others up on a pedestal is all the same mindset. Mm. It's all the same underlying toxicity Mm. in terms of like you know people trying to get healthy um and trying to you know it's hard for me to say change their body because i don't even think that people necessarily want to change their body for example i was scrolling on instagram this morning and i saw this beautiful brazilian woman like she was stunning like absolutely gorgeous um and i looked at her and there was something in me that i will admit was like triggered and I, I don't often look at other people and go oh I want to be like that person mm. based on the way they look mm-hmm. like that doesn't happen to me often but it did this morning and I, I'll be just straight up like that's what happened to me this morning mm-hmm. and then I sort of like stopped myself in that moment and I thought okay that's interesting what is it about this woman that I that I admire so much Mm. because actually i don't want to look like that Mm. i don't want to have a short pixie blonde bob Mm. like beat what do you call it platinum blonde yeah yeah but i don't want to have that yeah but there was something about her that i kind of admired Mm. and i realized it was just her confidence yeah and i think that brings us back to like something i know that you're very much you know an advocate for is like get yourself in that mind mind body alignment Mm -hmm. um because there is that metaphysical part of you that then becomes more quote unquote attractive. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk us through that? Cause that, that's a big part of doing the work.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the best way to explain that is I'm sure people listening have met someone or even just seen someone where maybe they've been working at a cafe or like you've just walked past them and they just, they just glow mm. and, and, you can't really put your finger on it, but you're like they are. Yeah, they're a vibe. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I, yeah. You just really—they just have a great energy, and I believe that that touches into that work of like mind and heart coherence, and you know, and also it's like it's when your thoughts. I have a quote about this. Go straight from Tumblr. <laughs> I actually don't know. A word. I actually, don't know it word for word, but it's like when your, your your thoughts, your behaviours are in alignment, mm. you, like, happiness follows yep. and contentment follows and gratitude follows. Yep. And and I think when we see those people and they're just so confident and, you know, you just want to be around them because their energy is amazing, I think that the, their thoughts and their behaviours and how they're living their life is very much in alignment and they're being rewarded for that in a way of, like, health Mm. and and feeling content and happy do you think people it does
0: do you think people who are happier
1: more content tend to make what we would consider healthier food choices I think so because then it's it's also and we were touching talking about this before the episode but um true self-love to me is like for me personally it's actually like not that enjoyable it's Mm. like it's sitting with yourself and like I said a bit earlier it's reflecting and thinking what am i doing and thinking that is making me feel shit or is making me feel you know not the happiest mm. so it's like it, it's funny
0: because it's almost like the pursuit of true happiness requires a lot of discomfort
1: mm. yeah yeah and challenge mm. and what's that i have another saying for you it's like <laughs> it's like light shines through wounds oh that is a great point as nice. well because i feel like I love that. This I know. <laughs> this, this, this work can be done at any time. Mm. And like I was saying, like true self-love, doing the hard work, the challenging work, sitting with yourself, being uncomfortable. This work can be done at any time. But for me personally, I, yes, I try and do the work all the time. But after a significant event that's usually really, really hard mm. is has been a trigger for like significant change yep yep and i'm not saying you need that and i would oh i and, would i would i would argue people need their pain they need pain mm. but i i guess my point is i don't want you to wait to like course, start doing the course. work for that um but people don't usually listen until they're being until of until pain. they're knocked down and you're yeah. like you're in the trenches and it, it hurts and you're, you're just – you can either go down two roads. You can go self-sabotage and make everything ten times worse mm. or you can go, okay, I'm going to look after me and know that that's the best path. Yep. Even though it's really hard. Of course. And, like, I love the
0: expression choose your hard." I mm. love that expression because it's either the pain of doing the work to make your, you ultimately happy, mm. that's one heart, yeah. or the other heart is suffering with being unhappy yeah. and all the shit that comes with that. Yeah. So, so essentially like – I love that. I was also just thinking, I don't even know who used to say this to me, life's a bitch and then you die. <laughs> it's not. It's so not so nihilistic. It's, it's, not. it's absolutely – life is beautiful but it's not idealistic Mm. it's just not it's so it's so different to look at the picture that's been taken as opposed to be in that moment yourself Mm. because you're always looking at everything through your own lens Mm. and being physically there is so different to just seeing it from the outside Mm. um And I also think this is another reason why people who maybe have never been like shredded, just as an example, are like, I want to be shredded. I want to be shredded. It's like people who are shredded are like, this is so fucking hard. Why would Mm. you want to do that? Mm. Like, why would you
1: want to in your right mind? And it's always a season, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a lifetime thing. No,
0: it's true. It's true. But it's like, it's interesting. Like, I I really feel like I need to get like an ex, like IFBB, like bikini competitor on here to be like, it's really hard. Yeah, You know, and I get it's a challenge, but it's also like, again, it's really hard. Mm. Talking about um, bikini competitors. So I think that the people who are popular right now in the health and wellness space, I'm not necessarily, and I'm not a bully, and I will never say names, but I'm not necessarily conveying the most positive body messages.
1: See, I'm not in this world, so you'll have mm. to... Yeah, I'll give you what like a... Okay, okay. so Tell I, me what it's like. Okay.
0: So I was listening to a podcast episode, and it was a Q&A, and I heard the host basically say um you know the the question was around calories and I basically heard the the host say well yeah you're just gonna have to be hungry so my mind is split in in two ways Mm -hmm. the people in the IFBB community or people who are bodybuilders or you know they do shows they understand that there is some hardness that comes with trying to look a certain way and it's very extreme but they know that Mm. there are also a lot of people that that get really fucked up mentally from Mm. that so there's those there's those two things from that one side and then on the other side if you're not competing why on earth would you need to just suffer with being hungry mm. okay and like if there are some imbalances that you're working through that's one thing if it's you know it, you know there's, there's degrees to everything yeah. but by and large why why would you say hey just be hungry mm. just be hungry mm. and there are people who are so popular and so well known with like millions of people who follow them mm-hmm. And my, I have a real, real issue with how they push that message of like, you know, um, I'm going to make this really vague. So again, it's not like really specific on who it is, but, you know, I have seen people on vlogs encouraging their friends who are talking about what they're eating in this specific number of calories. You know, the person was talking about, oh, I went to the gym and I did fasted cardio and then in the afternoon, I um, I did some extra weights just to like um, like like nip in the butt my my hunger. And the person
1: from the other side was like, "Good on you, girl." That hurts my heart because they don't see us working one on one with clients yeah. who have had their whole lives turned upside down because mm-hmm. now they have an eating disorder, yeah. and that's not only affecting them; that's affecting their relationship with their family and sorry to go so deep but like it's the reality it's not i know this is thrown around all the time but when you have that bigger following you have a huge responsibility because it doesn't just end at that youtube video that's right people take that into their lives that's right and look that is a lot of pressure mm. but
0: that is what comes with building a massive business yeah building a huge
1: following you get the benefits and go for it build yeah. that business i I support 100%. Yeah. But with that, you need to take on the responsibility as well.
0: Yeah.
1: And be very clear with your messaging. Yeah. If
0: in that podcast, the follow-up sentence was, but you've got to remember we're saying this if you're training for a competition Mm -hmm. and if you're training for a competition, please ensure that you have a healthy mindset or maybe preface the podcast episode Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. You know, like I think, and for sure, that could have been out of context Mm -hmm. you know that could have been the one time that they that they didn't say that and maybe they say it in every other episode Mm. i don't know Mm. but if that was just the one thing that someone heard you know and i have to give credit for people like they're not idiots they're not just gonna listen to one piece of advice once and be like well here we go (laughs) you know that's what i'm following for the rest of my life but it's all exposure isn't it yeah and and the problem is is that this is everywhere yeah yeah, yeah everywhere and and a lot of the time And so that is, like, my real issue because, like, all I ever think about every time I do a podcast, every time I do a post, every time I go to the gym, like, my messaging that I try to help Billy interpret. Mm, Oh, yeah. You know, as my daughter, who is four, who already says things to me like, mommy, I want to be you, which is so, so beautiful. But I have to really manage her understanding of why she wants to be like me. Right. You know? I know it's so cute. (laughs) It's so cute, you know. But it's like it's even little things like she watches me put on makeup and then she wants to put on makeup. Uh, She she you know, she'll run into the gym and then she'll like try to pick up a weight and then she gets upset if I say, Billy, sweetheart, you can't you can't train in here, you have to go on the crate. But mommy, I wanna train like you. Like you know, so
1: yeah.
0: I'm always really mindful of that, mm-hmm. and I work with you know young people with all the stuff I do with Empower You, and I'm always conscious of it. You know what is my messaging? Mm. What am I? What am I actually saying? Because what you're not saying and what you're doing speaks more about you know what's actually going on behind you know behind the scenes and in your mind. Yeah,
1: it's a big topic. <laughs> it's a big topic. It's a big
0: topic. So I I really think that to sum this up, I I do believe that we are very much aligned in terms of. Everything's a continuum mm-hmm. and you can be extreme in any continuum, mm-hmm. but also what's extreme is relative
1: mm-hmm. to the person yeah, you're asking.
0: that's true. Um, but, but again, you know, the the sort of mistake that you're making when you have an issue with food, what you're eating, what you're not eating, uh, what people think of what you're eating is that
1: it's not about the food. Mm. Look, look a bit deeper. Look and deeper. that will be different for everyone, mm. what lies underneath.
0: Yeah. And uh, Maria from Austria, her question like you know the question for the community for this episode was maria from austria she just wrote girl talk
1: so maria (laughs) we jumped all over the place but i feel like oh yes it was neat it's just so big it's so big
0: it's so big um i love conversations that just flow like i think we just flowed and i do definitely think that a lot a lot of women especially will just like they'll just get it Mm, they'll just get it because this is girl talk this mm. is what girls i think if they're not talking about it i think it would be great for them to talk about
1: i agree Yeah. yeah Yeah. And I would, if you do need, I would recommend like if this is touching you in some way, you know, doing some of the things we said during the episode, like taking some time out and sitting with yourself. Or if you get more from talking and kind of exploring this with someone, turning to someone and Mm -hmm. having this conversation with them. And if it is a girlfriend, I'm sure she can relate anyway. And if you don't have anybody that you feel safe enough talking to, then jump into the Facebook group. Yes, this is the Water Mouthful yes. podcast Facebook community. I can't wait to be in there and reading everything. Yeah, it's gonna be
0: especially with these episodes, safe know? haven. Yeah, and and I really just want to encourage like women, if 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 you feel like you have the need to be bitchy, please don't come in there because we mm. it's it's a non judgmental space. Yes. Um. And I certainly won't stand for anyone being judgmental to other people. So yeah. jump in there. Like I'm There's sure always
1: community. You just got to find tribe. Find yeah. tribe. I feel like everyone that follows you is going to be a beautiful person anyway. So. I,
0: I think so too. I have the best community. You I know, really you can't. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sit with us if you're mean. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, just I've really enjoyed this conversation. So have I. Um, And I know you're going to really enjoy chopping that up. (laughs) And now my producer hat comes on and the nutritionist hat goes (laughs) off. Thank you so much for being on the episode. Thanks for having me. And if you have anybody that you know that would really just deeply resonate with anything that Jess and I have shared, send away. See you next week. If anything in this episode sparked a question for you, please reach out to me on Instagram at DZabara. You're a legend and legends leave five-star reviews. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on What a Mouthful.